Welcome to the New York Lucis Trust Full Moon Meditation Meeting. Each month we work together as a group to contact, hold, and distribute spiritual energy in the service of humanity and all life forms. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T dot org. So it's time to begin. Good evening, friends. You're very, very welcome to this WASAC, this, uh, sorry, this um, second Aries full moon meditation meeting. And those of you who are joining in and listening to this broadcast, we welcome you as well. It's good to be together. It's really something that um, this year sees a double dose of Aries. This is the second Aries full moon for the year. Two full moons in the same zodiacal sign are not that uncommon. They tend to happen at least once every two or three years. But two full moons in the same sign during the three spiritual festivals is a little unusual. And as much as anything else, it encourages us to pay attention to our intuitive insights and expectations for the future. It sort of puts us on the alert. So this is a year when we really do need to pay attention to signs suggesting that something significant is taking place in the subjective realms, just as it clearly is in the human realms. Later in the year, later this year, in 2019, there's another unusual alignment of note in December, when there'll be a special festival week that comes around every seven years. In the early 1940s, D.K. wrote about a tide of augmented Capricornian energies flowing into human consciousness every seven years, commenting that they provided a week of group impact from December 21 to 28. And these energies were said to bring an impetus to the new group of world servers, vivifying the work of the group. D.K. suggested that the week be regarded as preeminently the festival week of the new group of world servers. And during the week this year, there will be an eclipse will occur, which will add to the potency of the incoming energies. The last time the seven-year festival occurred in 2012, there was a widespread, huge popular interest in the Mayan calendar. Particularly, it was the Mayan calendar that generated this interest. It was especially noticeable in spiritualist channeling and New Age circles. So even though not so much attention went to the festival week, in 2012 there was a significant focus of attention on astrology, ancient mythologies, and at a deeper level on the relations between humanity and the cosmos. This year we can expect the week to be much more out of the spotlight of popular mythology. And in a sense we might think that that's not such a bad thing. Apart from the small community of Bailey students, there are probably very few people aware of anything special happening astrologically in December, although, of course, astrologers will be interested in the significance of the eclipse. Yet the energies that the week will bring provide a perfect opportunity for esotericists to focus attention on the group of active inner and outer servers whose work organizes, mobilizes, educates, and, and empowers people of goodwill. And this is work that can be done just as effectively, quietly, 
with esoteric focus and attention and with an enhanced sense of group interconnections, of all those little subtle networks that link so many different esoteric groups. Can we just pause for a moment to recognize the reality of the soul and the reality of the ashram? Imagining ourselves as the soul. Think of ourselves as the soul embedded in its ashramic group. The central spiritual self at the core of our life. And holding this point of identity, this center of reality around which all things revolve, consider the opening stage of the meditation outline that we'll be using later this evening. And in our own heart of hearts, silently affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity, standing right at that center of what can be sometimes thought of as the Arjuna center for humanity as a whole. For this is where we figuratively stand as a group of esoteric workers. Now can we say, the, there's a card on your chairs, the affirmation of a disciple. And those who are listening to this broadcast who know this can join with us. Let's say it together with our whole heart as a soul. I am a point of light within a greater light. I am a strand of loving energy within the stream of love divine. I am a point of sacrificial fire focused within the fiery will of God, and thus I stand. I am a way by which men may achieve. I am a source of strength enabling them to stand. I am a beam of light shining upon their way, and thus I stand. And standing thus revolve, and tread this way the ways of men, and know the ways of God, and thus I stand. living with the after-effects of a cold, so any attempts to ohm might come out extraordinarily, unusually strange. I think I'll do it quietly. 
Thank you, Kathy, for starting that. In the Alice Bailey teachings, Aries is referred to as the sign of the pure first-ray type. Will or power is said to reach our planetary life through this constellation. It is a sign of initiatory beginnings and of totally new creative initiatives that, <coughs> in some way or other, serve the unfolding plan. Consider, for example, the energetic environment reflected in DK's comment that Aries provided the impulse and energy that enabled Christ to initiate the Christian era. Consider the way in which Christ's overshadowing the historical life of Jesus, consider the way in which that has impacted human history, affecting values, ethics, aspirations, imaginations of the future and ideals throughout the Christian world, transforming understanding of the better angels of our nature in ways that have had a very significant effect on every area of human relations, including economics, law, and governance, and reaching right into the heart of what it is to be human and what it is to take on some responsibility for the wise shaping, direction, and management of human development. The impulse and the energy enabling this to happen through the centuries came through Aries. It's important to note that this imp initiatory impulse, dating from the time of Christ's overshadowing of Jesus, reaches far beyond what we think of as the Christian world, from an esoteric perspective, the Incarnation in Palestine marked the beginning of an energetic alchemical process that continues to impact the entire human species, working through history and reaching into the minds and hearts of all peoples, all faiths, all cultures. Through this alchemical process, humanity is being led into an age of love, it can be very difficult often for us to see this process when we're immersed in the crises and challenges for us now of the 24-hour news cycle or the 24 hours of the intensity of our own lives. But it can be seen from the perspective of detached observation, from the perspective of the historian trained to notice signs of an unfolding plan through time. We live in a time when it's not so unusual to think in universal terms. So it shouldn't be difficult for us to imagine the redemptive, transforming energies flowing through the living Christ, radiating out and through the community of avatars, saints, rishis, and ancestors of other traditions and other faiths. Christ's dynamic presence in the psychic substance of human development the substance of consciousness, time, and space flows ceaselessly through the communion of saints who stand at the heart of every community of positive goodwill, whatever their Bible, however they worship, whatever their name they refer to their prophet, shamans, or wise ones. When we consider that Aries is the sign of the pure first-rate type, 
it's not surprising that it forms one of the four arms of the cardinal cross. Astrologers divide the 12 signs of the zodiac into three crosses, mutable, fixed, and cardinal, each reflecting specific qualities. Each cross is composed of four signs. That's really across certainly the Western astrology community. DK has much to say from an esoteric perspective on the significance of the three crosses and the role they play in the astrological makeup of successive incarnations as a great transforming and redemptive process works its way forward. Consciousness is held to the fire. It's cyclically exposed to the interacting energies of the forearms of the mutable cross, the fixed cross, and the cardinal cross. And thus one can perceive the endless rounds of incarnation as periods when the incarnating one is purposefully crucified on a cross with a specific goal of burning through all that hinders the path towards enlightenment and service. During experience on the mutable cross, the Christ life is hidden so that the aligned personality can be built up and can in time and through many, many experiences become a reliable vehicle for the soul. Not surprisingly, this is a time of mutability and change. And it's followed by a more stable experience on the fixed cross of the Son of God when the soul is driven through love to fully incarnate and become consciously crucified upon the cross of matter. The soul through this experience, radiates through matter. And then in the final stages of human incarnation, Aries comes into focus as the first of the forearms of the cardinal cross. It is the monad that is crucified on the cardinal cross, providing all the experiences, challenges, and tests for the initiate to be aligned with and integrated into the planetary head center to which we give the name Shambhala. The incarnating monad learns to use will or power in the great creative processes of planetary transformation. It makes sense to imagine that over the past month, many esoteric students will have been pondering <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Many esoteric students will have been pondering what it means for this year's three spiritual festivals to be starting with a double dose of Aries energies. Different students will no doubt have directed their research along different lines, reflecting the themes and questions that are especially alive for them. So right now, as we collectively and individually prepare to begin the full moon meditation work, we can imagine that the group field of thought is unusually rich and alive with all this creative thinking. And at the heart of the field of thought, at the heart of all of this pondering, we can imagine electrical flashes of intuition reaching into the mind of God, 
And this is the inner environment of thought in which we as a group are preparing to enter and to work. An electrical, living environment of thought. Through all the esoteric reflections on the meaning of the second Aries full moon, we can imagine the planetary group touching some essential archetypal questions. For example, what does it mean to be a responsible, spiritually dynamic human being right now in the unique circumstances of this time in the early 21st century? And how are we to seek to serve esoterically and occultly now during the cycle of evolutionary history, with which, if anything, almost seems to be characterized by confusion. D.K. worked with Alice Bailey during the tumultuous, chaotic years between the two world wars. Ours is a very different time. For example, international conferences are a feature of our age. In the interwar years of Alice's time, these conferences were a totally new phenomenon. New relationships were being forged, and the world was looking on with bated breath, looking to see what would be the results of the meeting of world leaders. Today, with international conferences, it sometimes seems as if the world hardly notices. And yet, hugely significant things are happening at these events. One of the reasons why ours is a difficult time for esoteric work is that we now face seventh-ray challenges with their call for persistence and for focused labor. As the ideals and principles of the post-war vision are brought into national and international expression, through endless conferences, dialogues, and difficult decisions, there is a not surprising resistance from groups that fear a loss of national independence and fear a threat to what we might think of as the national personality. And this seventh-ray process of bringing principles of sharing and cooperation into expression is happening at a time when individual forces have never been so potent. Desires, ideals, creative potentials Individuals becoming individual personalities. In a sense, young people have more freedom than ever before in many parts of the world. In fact, probably in most parts of the world. But that freedom is matched by diminishing opportunities for a good, well-paid job and for a secure future. And so we see frustration when desires are not gratified and discontent fading into depression and despair. Competitive instincts rubbing up against dreams of cooperative possibilities. Ours is a pretty creative time. In this environment, perhaps one of the things that are happening is that the new group of world servers is itself being held to the fire. And out of this fiery ordeal, we might imagine a stirring of the will taking place, a deeply rooted, grounded will to initiate changes that reach right into the substance of the human, 
that are not about talking, not about talking about ideals or even sometimes ideas, but actually bringing about a shift in the relationship between soul and personality. In this sense, the work of the group of servers in our day can be understood as the work of the Christ. For there is for servers today no escaping the deeper work needed to initiate right relations within the psyche of the self, within local communities, and within one's own nation, ethnic and religious group, ideological group, and so on. One of the things that makes this year's three festivals especially interesting is the different approaches to the date of Easter. D.K. suggests that the first of the important three spiritual festivals, Easter, is to be observed at the time of the first Aries full moon of spring in the Northern Hemisphere, meaning that the Lucis Trust and many, but not all Alice Bailey-inspired groups, have observed Easter in March, last month, first Aries full moon. But as we know, in the vast church-going Christian community, following well-established traditions of ecclesiastical law, Easter is being celebrated in the period of the secondaries for moon. This is something that often happens with Waisak, but that's largely because the Buddhist community has no common approach to the date of Waisak. It's normal for the festival to be celebrated in different parts of the East on different full moons. In 2000, but in 2015, only around 7% of the world's population were Buddhist, while just over 31%, 2.3 billion people were Christian. This is from the, um, Pew, uh, the uh, latest Pew survey. So the sheer numbers of people that will be spending some time in prayer and reflection during this Easter week is significant. Energetically, it's significant if you think of humanity as a whole. The mental and astral life of the species, the human species, will undoubtedly be affected by the widespread religious observances. And it's important to recognize, too, that this month, the Aries full moon, will be marked not only with the Easter festivals of Good Friday and Palm Sunday and so on in Christianity, but also with the major Passover festival in Judaism, the Hindu festival of Ramadavami, celebrating Lord Rama, an incarnation of Vishnu, the hero, hero of the Ramayana and an important Jain festival of Mahavir Jayanti, celebrating the birth of the last great sage um, of the Jain tradition and the contemporary of the Buddha, Mahavira. Beyond what we might think of as the more sentimental and doctrinal elements of these popular religious observations and the holiday atmosphere involving hundreds of millions of people, there will, so beyond this um, sort of popular, sentimental, but good family experience for huge numbers of people, um, there will be a widespread global ferment of reflection generated by thoughtful sermons and by articles and commentaries circulating through publications, broadcasts and blogs and so on, aimed at all intelligent thinking people of spirituality of all faiths, and very often reflecting quite a degree of wisdom. For example, I was just interested the the extraordinary event for this Easter week of the burning of Notre Dame 
and some of the commentary on that as 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 people seek to understand something which really affects emotion the emotions of people around the world because Notre Dame is one of those places it's like an archetypal symbol um, that people dream of that exists in people's dream life and just in on the um, PBS news hour well, there was a a comment from um, the Dean of the American Cathedral in Paris Lucinda Laird who was saying how ironic it was that this happened in the Holy Week, but also quite perfect. This is the week, she said, we walk through death, and this is the week we walk through death to resurrection. And so what I'm beginning to hear and feel myself is this is just one step. There's going to be a resurrection. That cathedral is going to be restored. It will be different, but it will still be Notre Dame. And to me, that's a pretty significant understanding on the reality of what the resurrection spirit is, something new, something also visionary that can excite a sense of new purpose and hope. Having two Aries full moons should also make us sit up and take notice because it means that the three festivals marking the start of a new spiritual year are drawn out beyond the usual three months to four months. It's as if in the cyclic rhythm of the year, the high point of invocative tension is being held for an extended time. It's a little like changing the regular rhythm of the breath in meditation. The alignment between Earth, the stars, and constellations are suggesting that this year sees a heightened tension and a holding of an unusual moment of poised tension in the annual rhythm, holding it for two bars over two full moons. The full moon meditation work and the invocation and precipitation of energies and potencies from constellations and planets as they align with the energies and potencies of the being that, that is Earth. This work, we see these energies streaming through energetic environments of Shambhala and hierarchy to condition the subtle atmosphere of human thinking, human living, and human being. Through time and over time, like the breath, like the breath of the planet and the breath of the human. And through this constant invocation and precipitation of energies, there's an a, a certainty that the pressure of future possibilities, the pressure of achievable goals and of great living principles to be brought into expression, in other words, the pressure of the plan of the breath of God will continue endlessly to provoke development. Sometimes these incoming energies from the cosmos stir things up in the world of the human, provoking crises and trauma. Sometimes they hold in the light emerging insights still waiting to be precipitated 
and recognized on the threshold of consciousness. Incoming energies during the heightened flow of the full moon can also bring a cycle of relief from the pressure of the plan, allowing individuals and groups to contain the heightened tension with a sense of rhythm, focused poise and balance, to breathe and be at ease. At such times, it becomes increasingly possible for groups to disidentify with the stress of the hour and the debilitating impact it can have on the emotional vehicle so that they can transmute this into a detached will that stands in the stream of incoming light of the group purpose and that radiates that purpose outwards, serving with a light touch while retaining a sense of purpose. Through time, through the endless cycle of the twelve spiritual festivals in a year, these incoming energies provide the greater environment of mind and heart in which and through which human thinking and humanity's sense of purpose is being transformed. Transformation is speeding up. Things are happening quickly. And this is a sign of a newly oriented humanity that is in process of emerging in our lives, through our lives, and through the lives of our communities and nations. So often, our attention is on the lunar fires that are part of the transformation process. We tune into the understandable confusion and trauma of so many good people who yearn for some stability and clarity in the path towards development, prosperity, and freedom. And yet, beyond all this confusion, beyond the chaotic, noisy, busy, stressed, polarized, and divided consciousness of our nations, something phenomenal is happening in consciousness. An intuitive understanding of synthesis, wholeness, and interdependence is reshaping the human. It's happening in every profession, in every academic discipline, in every art form. The presence of the whole is being noticed in the part. And by the presence, that means the livingness, the living whole, something alive is being noticed in the part. <coughs> Excuse me. The part is beginning to be seen in relation to a whole. The understanding of the whole and its relation to the part has traditionally been, traditionally been a place of imponderables and of mystical speculation about fuzzy mysteries. It's moving now into a place that might be thought of esoterically as the heart center within the head. This means that it is acquiring definition and livingness amongst thinkers, those who DK used to refer to as the intelligentsia. And that is where the plan can most clearly be seen working out in human affairs. Part of the work of esoteric communities is to hold in mind the bigger picture, recognizing that in the midst of all the chaos, initiation is in the air. Initiation for serving groups. Initiation for nations. Something we don't usually think about, and yet it makes sense. 
and initiation for humanity, the world disciple. The keynote for Aries is, I come forth and from the plane of mind I rule. During the second Aries full moon, while the Christian world ponders resurrection and the significance of Easter, while Hindus reflect on the incarnation of Vishnu through the great Lord Rama and Jews ponder the blessings of Passover, can we hold in the light the thought that during these critical years leading up to the hierarchical conclave of 2025 and the more worldly international sustainable development goals targeted on achievements to be reached in 2030, that the intuition of synthesis, wholeness, and interdependence is coming forth, nurturing the seeds of the new. For we should remember that this intuition of synthesis is destined to rule and dominate the mind of the Aquarian age. And this is all happening in our time. We have the privilege of living through these vital years in the transition into Aquarius. So we'll work with the meditation. After all of that, let's just do something real. <laughs> we'll work with the meditation, um, letting in the light. We'll meditate together for something like around 20 minutes. And we will say aloud the mantram in the stage of group fusion and the lower interlude in the center of all love. And then we'll close by together using the sound of the great invocation. And followed by three ohms. fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. Fusion and integration within the heart center of the group of world servers. I am one with my group brothers. Yeah.
and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. And we extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. The higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind. <coughs> Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. And using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
meditation. Reflect on the seed thought for Aries. I come forth and from the plane of mind I rule.
precipitation. Visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring through the planet and becoming anchored on Earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan is manifesting. Use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, people of goodwill everywhere in the world, and myriad physical centers of distribution across the globe. lower interlude. We focus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. In the center of all love I stand. From that center I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy, streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. And consider, <coughs> consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation has sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the entire human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known. Let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, friends. Thank you. The um, next full moon. Um, the full moon will be tomorrow morning. The Aries full moon. It's a strange thing. This five-day cycle. When I live in the country, and when the sun is pouring onto the face of the moon and shining onto the earth, it's not something that happens suddenly at a particular moment. 
but it makes sense to think of a five-day cycle because over a period of five days, every night, that is the experience of the full sun shining through the moon. So through those five days, we try to hold the sense of this rhythmic, ritualized work. And then at the actual moment of the full moon is a moment of intense quiet and focus. Um, and that happens tomorrow morning at 12 minutes past 7 for all those lovelies who live in the eastern time zone of the United States of EDT. Um, so we look forward to joining with you all subjectively tomorrow morning. The next New Moon meeting will take place here and also be broadcast on Monday, May the 6th at 6 p.m. And the Waysac Festival and the next um, full moon in Taurus. Um, please, we hope you'll join us for the school conference on the Saturday and Sunday, 18th and 19th. Um, it's rather lovely because on Saturday afternoon, um, when the conference finishes with the the, the Waysac Festival itself and the festival meditation, and that will be preceded by a um, by a flute, um, by a performance, musical performance that will lead well into the Waysac work. So, it's it's one of the loveliest. Um, sort of conference programs that I can recall. So I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that we'll see many of you there. So with that, thank you very much, and good evening. Thank you for your participation in this group service. Please join us again next month. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org.